0: Hello, everyone. I'm so glad to have the opportunity to be with you again this week. Now, we had finished our session last time, if you remember, by asking the question, um, what has been eternally saved and what does eternally saved actually mean? Well, let's go back to our original picture of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember when we had looked at Adam, uh, Adam and the woman, what had died that day when they ate from that fruit? Well, we had seen that it was Adam's and a woman's spirit. And in like manner, because we are all now in Adam's likeness, we were all born in, according to Ephesians 2.1, dead in trespasses and sins. Now, the thing to remember is, of course, that before we received the free gift of eternal life, we were very much alive physically. We ate, we drank, we breathed, we did all of those things. So what part of us was... Dead. How could we have been born dead if we actually had that physical life? Well, the part of us that was born dead was our spirit. John 5 24 tells us, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So then, as we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, And received everlasting life, which part of us passed from death into life? It was our spirit. John 3, 6 tells us, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And we might remember a verse from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Well, the simple reality here is that we can choose to keep this appointment with death and judgment in Christ or apart from Christ. In other words, we can choose to receive the one who has kept the appointment on our behalf, or we can choose to keep the appointment ourselves, but it cannot be avoided. For those who have believed the blood has been properly applied through faith to show that the firstborn has died and that is the end of the matter eternal salvation from that point on is signed sealed and settled for those who do not believe there is no application of the blood and the end of the matter still awaits them death and judgment and as we look at this we'll see the obvious our spirit alone is now eternally saved but our soul and our body remain in an unredeemed state so what happens to them well we'll get to that in just a minute but please let's remember and note and note carefully that our spirit is completely and totally eternally redeemed but our soul isn't we still have a sin nature we all still have one and if anybody thinks they don't have a sin nature or they don't sin then they are seriously deceived because the scripture plainly teaches otherwise. And of course, our body remains in that unredeemed state too. We'll remember that redemption of the body has to do with receiving that covering of glory in order for rulership to take place. And if we were to quickly look in the mirror right now, we would see that our body is not covered with glory. And so the soul, because of the sin nature, The body, because the lack of the glory, still remains unredeemed. So how is that going to work itself out? What is going to take place in order to bring that to their conclusion? Well, we have noted um, very early on that God has set a pattern in Genesis of six days of work to bring about the complete restoration of a ruined creation. What has taken place with the salvation of our spirit then corresponds to day one of those six days found in Genesis chapter one. Second Corinthians four six tells us for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That's Genesis chapter one. That has to do with day one who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then second Peter two nine, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So what must happen then with the soul and the body must correspond to days 2 through 6 in Genesis chapter 1. And this can only be subsequent to the events Of day one. In other words then there is a process. Day one, eternal salvation, is the beginning part of the process. It is not an end in itself. It is that which makes possible the end that can then be attained. And quite clearly to see in those six days in Genesis chapter one, the events of day number one never changed. They remained constant. But there still remained another five days before God's restoration of that ruined creation was complete. And take that to our own experience. We were eternally saved. Our spirit passed from death unto life. And there's now a subsequent work that must take place in order for our soul and our body to be redeemed. And this, of course, is exactly what we see in relation to Israel who of course provides for us the type that we are given, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. It's only following the death of the firstborn and the application of the blood, a redemption brought about sovereignly by God, that we then see this, in Exodus 19, 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. It was only then after receiving eternal salvation that issues surrounding God's purpose for man, rulership, can then come into view. And just as we see with Israel following the Passover. And it's only once that the nation had been delivered from Egypt that God then had the expectation of faithful obedience on their part now therefore if you will indeed obey my voice and it's not impossible well it is completely impossible to be able to be obedient to the word of god without first having passed from death to life to have spiritual life to understand spiritual truth to be obedient to that truth And the things surrounding God's purpose for man, which of course we've seen from very early in our study, is rulership, are inextricably connected with the two unredeemed parts of man's being, the soul and the body, and inextricably connected to faithful obedience. As with the type given to us through Israel, it is only after we have received the free gift of eternal life that God then has the expectation of faithful obedience from us. And this is the only way that it can be, because until we have spiritual life, we cannot understand the spiritual truth contained in the scriptures. And that truth must be understood if we are to be obedient to it. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man, the unredeemed man, the man who's not eternally saved, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. All right, to say again, the natural or the unsaved man can comprehend the words on the page as he would read the scriptures. He could understand the storyline if we could say it that way. He could comprehend it in the same way he would read any other book, but he cannot begin to see the spiritual truth contained in those very scriptures without first possessing spiritual life. And the thing we'll also want to note with this is that having spiritual life and the ability to understand spiritual truth does not guarantee us being being able to to understand that spiritual truth but it does make it possible and in that of course we would have no excuses well we will continue with this next time then of course but only if the Lord is willing so until then God bless you and we'll be with you again soon goodbye